Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Bears Den? Is that who this is? Nuance Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN Montana app. Thanks for hanging out. Colter Nuance coming to you from the ESPN Montana studio. A uh, little Sam Fender, and that's Tommy's ah, guy, yeah. right? See, t- see, Tommy has a taste because ba- Bears Den is also a Tommy band that he yep. turned me on to on the trail. And then we went and saw him uh, when they were here in Missoula. And, uh, yeah, Tommy's pumping the Sam Fender. He loves the Sam Fender. Uh, good tune. Gotta love it. Yeah, Tommy, I know you're not listening, but uh, <laughs> that one was for you. You better be listening, Tommy. You just told, uh, sent an email that said we all need to listen to the stations at all times, all of them, at the same time, all the time. I'm just kidding. We, I, that's all I do anyways is listen to the radio. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television. Uh, Joe Terry, Vikings Valhalla, coming up here in just a minute. If you missed anything in the show, appreciate uh you follow it along, and you always can follow along on the Nuanas Now podcast, available on all of your podcast hosting platforms. Heard from Aaron Best, the uh, head coach of the Eastern Washington Eagles, uh, as well as um, Tyson Bod- Tyson Botter, excuse me, uh, Hamilton High School quarterback, and uh, also talked some uh, Grizz football from the Bobby Houck angle after I went to his coach's show for the first time uh, last night. Nuanas Now podcast probably presented by the M Store. The Advocates, and the MSU Bookstore. If you're going to homecoming this weekend, go check out the M Store's uh, in-stadium uh, store. Uh, pretty cool. You can get some Grizz gear and uh, you know get all the all the stuff that you you might need. Big Sky Conference underway this weekend. Big Sky Conference play that is underway this weekend, and very much looking forward to that. And uh, we go down to the uh, Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. A guy who joined us in August to give us a little preview of Portland State and now joins us as Portland State makes their way to Montana. It's Joe Terry. He writes about Portland State for his Substack newsletter all about Vikings athletics. Joe, thanks for coming back, man. How you doing? Doing all right, man. How are you guys doing? Very well. We appreciate you being here. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about Portland State's season so far. Um, this year, 
the, the Big Sky is impossible to analyze if you want to just do it based on results and records because we've had a whole bunch of teams that have played games either that they were playing, they either bought the win or they, they got the paycheck. And uh, atypical, too, because both the opponents for the Cats and the Grizz are coming off of week three buys. So that that's also interesting. So Portland State just two games under their belt and coming off a bye. How would you diagnose Portland State's season thus far? Like you said, man, it's completely hard to kind of put a finger on what it is, right? So they played really, really well week one against San Jose State uh, and kind of just got steamrolled by Washington. But, I mean, you kind of expect that. Um, I mean, what do you take away from that? I'm not, I'm not really 100% sure uh, because, uh, I mean, it could be – uh, it could be either one. It could be that they're the team that gets steamrolled or, the, you know, the team that uh, can take it to an FBS school. So I, don't, I have absolutely no idea. I know that they have talent. I know that they have speed. Uh, and I know that they have uh, skill on the outside. Um, will they be able to translate that? I'm not sure. What was I, I watched? Uh, I, I actually was following uh, you and a couple other Big Sky Media uh, colleagues on Twitter, um, I can't remember what I had been doing during that day, but I had been uh, out and about, and I remember seeing that the Portland State game was really close, so I actually pulled over <laughs> at the mall here in Missoula and just watched it in my car uh, on the ESPN Plus stream after I saw that it was a close game and then watched as San Jose State then subsequently went on and, and won that game. And it was a heartbreaker for the Vikings because it seemed like they were in control. How were they able to control it, though? What did they do well in that game to be in it with San Jose State down to the wire? They got pressure on their quarterback. So they, they, they were in the backfield all day. Uh, San Jose State couldn't run the ball. Uh, they busted off one good run with the quarterback. There was a kind of a, a bust in coverage, and uh, he, he ripped off a 33-yard touchdown, but he got nothing else the rest of the game. Um, and so that was kind of – they made him one-dimensional, and their quarterback, who was a transfer from Hawaii last year, as a guy who doesn't have necessarily the strongest arm, and when you make him one-dimensional, and then you can kind of pick and choose uh, uh, where to make the ball go, you know. So they were able to do that. They were able to control it. Uh, penalties kind of kicked them, uh, kicked them in the shins there the last uh, ten minutes or so. Um, but they uh, they were able to just kind of showcase what I was talking to you about in August about how much talent they have on the outside, how much. Uh, receiving uh, speed and, and kind of route running skill they have. Um, they have a guy in Bo Kelly who is constantly open, um, and they uh, they had a quarterback who that day was able to find them. Um, obviously, none of that happened in Washington, uh, but I think uh, after watching what they did to my alma mater of Michigan State last week, uh, it's probably a little bit more understandable. Joe Terry joining us. Vikings Valhalla, it's a newsletter covering Big Sky Conference uh, football, including a high emphasis on Portland State. Listen to Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. You want a free six-pack of beer and a free sandwich? Who doesn't? We got one for you, courtesy of Warden's Market. Call us right now. Caller number 3406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. Caller number three. We got a free six-pack of beer. They'll help you pick it out. They have a phenomenal craft beer selection down there at Warden's Market. And uh, they'll also get you a sandwich of your choice as well. The TBLT, a good option. The WAPA, a classic. 
but no matter what sandwich you get down there, you're going to leave with a full belly and uh, a happy heart. So call us right now, 406-888-1029. Joe, you mentioned the quarterback. Darian Sachere has been uh, touted as a great athlete, a great dual threat, and uh, he did look good against San Jose State. I know it's a small sample size, and uh, you know I'm sort of wondering the same thing about Gunnar Talkington for – Eastern Washington as well because he looked good against a peer opponent and then looked completely overwhelmed and they hardly had the ball against Oregon. I mean, it's the same thing with Tommy Malott at Montana State. I mean, they hardly had the ball against Oregon State. So uh, just with the limited amount you, you've seen, what does Sachere do well? What uh, What is his skill set? Uh, so the last few years he's been the backup and they only ran him in running sets. Uh, so he's... He's got that. He looks faster this year, and I don't know whether that's because they run more uh, more four and five wide, and he has more space to to get open uh, and, and and get up to full stride. But uh, he's he's fast. Uh, he he can run. They haven't run him much this year. Been trying to keep him healthy, um, and but he uh, he was he was carving up San Jose State uh, when when they ran his own defense. So he can he can hit open guys. Uh, he missed a few longer throws. Uh, in that first game, and that's really the only game I, I have to go off of because it's hard to take anything from that Washington game. Um, but he uh, he's not necessarily as strong an arm as Davis Alexander was the last few years, um, but he has a good enough arm, and, and that speed is what uh, acquits him. And so uh, Barnum was saying that uh, the, the best – check down for him is going to be his legs. And that's, that's certainly been the case, uh, the first two weeks. Joe Terry here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. We'll hear from Bruce Barnum here in just a minute or two. Uh, last thing for you, Joe, before we get you out of here, what do you think of this matchup? What, and how do you think Portland State views this matchup? Last time they were in Missoula, they came in here and won. Uh, it's definitely a, a different Grizzly team than it was in 2018. I don't think you can take anything from their spring matchup, uh, last April because no. Portland State hadn't been, you know, even around each other, really, for more than about 10 days before they came here to Missoula. So uh, what do you think of this matchup? What are the keys for Portland State? And uh, what what are where do you feel that they're feeling about the Grizzlies? Yeah, so they've shaped their entire season around this game. And, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, it's that's a big statement. But they, they planned their bye week to go exactly in front of this game. They had a few open dates that they could have put a, uh, their, their last home game into. And they chose to, to keep this date open. Uh, they, they're using their charter flight to come out there so that they're not having to spend extra time on the bus to get out there. They've, they've put all their eggs into this basket. Uh, and it's not necessarily uh, what's going to decide if they make the playoffs or not, but it's going to be a big key point. If they, if they can get a win here, that's, that's a huge, huge uh, mark on your resume. And so uh, they're, they're all keyed up for the game. They're, they're ready to go. Um, the question is, uh, is Montana closer to, Washington in talent, or are they going to be closer to San Jose in talent? Um, is it going to be a team that they can uh, they can keep up with? And uh, I, I, I'd like to think, uh, as, as good as Montana has been, especially uh, these first three weeks, they've been they've looked elite, uh, especially on defense. Uh, the speed, I'm guessing, is going to be closer to San Jose State, so it, it probably will be a lot closer. And I'm guessing a lot of your listeners are going to think because uh, I know a lot of people are expecting this to be a good uh, 28, 35 point blowout. But uh, these two games play close games. These two teams play close games all the time. I don't know whether that's because Barnum is, is friends with Hauk or, or if uh, 
if they just uh, they, they can mark up well with uh, with what Montana runs. But uh, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a close game. Uh, I know uh, the Missoulian asked me. I predicted a win for them just because uh, I was pretty sure that the rest of their uh, people that they asked were going to predict for Montana. I just wanted to level out of it. But uh, I imagine it's going to be a pretty close game for sure. Joe Terry joining us here on Nuanas Now. Joe, uh, just tell people how can, how can they follow along if they're interested in your writing and your content. Yeah, uh, all the Par- Portland State stuff is at bigskyvalhalla.substack.com. Um, that is a uh, once to two times a week, uh, depending on what time of the year it is, uh, a newsletter that is completely free, goes right to your inbox. Um, and you can get all the updates on everything that's happening around Portland State, uh, including a few new unique stories uh, to, to the newsletter. So uh, that is bigskyvalhalla.substack.com. That's pretty cool. And then uh, I'm on Twitter at Joseph underscore Terry with all the uh, up-to-the-minute updates there, too. There you go. Joe Terry here on Nuanas Now. Thanks for being here, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime, man. Thanks so much. Across the sidelines, part dose. Got them stacked up here today. We heard from Aaron Best earlier today, and now we're getting a little look at Aaron Best, Eastern Washington's head coach. Now we're getting a look at uh, Portland State as well. Thanks to Joe, uh, Joe Terry. Uh, for his insight on Portland State football. Across the Sidelines is presented by Vance Thompson Vision. From the sidelines to the end zone, catch every play with your best vision. Next time you're at a game, look across the sidelines. Can you see it? Like, really see it? With their world-class eye surgeons, friendly professional care, and the most advanced technology available, you can trust Vance Thompson Vision to provide you with the best possible options for your vision. From LASIK to cataracts, Vance Thompson Vision's team of experts Help you enjoy every play with clear vision. Visit VanceThompsonVision.com to learn more or call to schedule a consultation. 866-620-EYES. VanceThompsonVision.com presenting across the sidelines all season long. I was in Portland last week. I caught up with one of our favorite guys. Here's a portion of that interview. Next up is the team that beat Washington last year, like you said. And that defense um, of Montana's, uh, there's 11 dudes on that field and more than that. You know, uh, some of their guys floating in, the sacks is sitting in uh, from the bench. They're dudes. They, they've been playing together a long time. And um, you can't let anything linger if you're going to have a chance at, at Washington Grizz. Portland State on a bye this week. They do open conference play next week in Missoula. Homecoming for the University of Montana. Montana at Indiana State. Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, the home of Larry Legend, Larry Bird. Uh, so Montana won last night conference game here. Portland State coming to town uh, in two weeks. Is that a good thing? Does you get two extra? Do you get an extra week to, to prepare for Montana? Yes. Um, straight up. Anytime you have a bye uh, before you get the heel up, number one. Um, and you get an extra week to look at them, you know, um, and, and decide what to do and go through different things for the game plan, you know. Uh, Bear has been in it uh, for many moons, and he's had a lot of success, you know. I just talked about their defense, but you got Rosie on the other side who's going to scheme you up. But, yeah, I like having an extra week for that. And we're changing things up, you know. I'm trying to trying to do it like everybody else does it, I guess, Coulter. We have one charter. I get one charter a year. Actually, one and a half. I talked him into another one. But I'm using that charter for Montana. Yeah. I'm not going to drive and eat at, you know, Wolf Lodge and feed, <laughs> like we did last time. If we won, I probably should, but, you know, feed them the Rocky Mountain oysters and all that. Uh, we're going there. 
Landon Friday, you know, stadium, check in, get up, um, and try to get after the Grizz on homecoming. Montana's defense, uh, statistically, performance-wise, production-wise, is the one that's getting all the headlines. But you're an offensive coach, so as a uh, play caller, would you diagnose that scheme? I mean, it is... It is pure chaos. One of my writers wrote, uh, it's the heavy metal defense. <laughs> They're just rocking out. But it is a crazy amount of movement and stuff like that. So, I mean, how do you diagnose what they're doing? How do you get your team, especially your offensive front, prepared to handle uh, all the pressures from all the areas that they bring? Well, it's sad and then at the stadium because yeah. they got a hell of a crowd, you know, Coulter. It's organized chaos, you know. That's what he brings. And what are you playing behind it? I'm going to send six. Is it fire zone? Am I dropping guys? It is. And, uh, you know, you have to figure out something uh, that allows you to execute. Um, last time we were up there, not in the spring. I, I mean, they beat us that game, but I don't really count that. We were here for five days. They were there for five months. But last time up there, you know, we had some that wasn't overly productive, but we got enough out of the run game. Um, I was rolling quarterbacks and playing that hoopla, but, uh, you know, uh, we had some turnovers. But six, that was kind of his coming out game a little bit. Yep. Um, and then, we, I mean, we lucked out with a field goal, a long field goal at the end to, to beat them. But, um, but you look at them right now, I just want to, you know, maybe if we can score more than seven points, that, that might get them down. <laughs> you know, because right now they're lighting everybody's ass up. But, um Bears, uh, he's, uh, what they do defensively, it's it's effective. But you have to, uh, you know, it's a question. Do you simplify it? Do you go, you, you see what the first two teams did. You know, do you do wing sets? I made that mistake when I was at Idaho State in that place. I'm not doing that anymore. So, you know, get down that red zone. It's not a 12th man. It's a 169th man <laughs> in that place. But... Um, and I've been talking about that as well. I said uh, to, to the people that haven't been there, my players that haven't been there, I said, they're going to know your name. They're going to know your mom's name. They're going to know your family, your girlfriend. I said, I said, just answer them once <laughs> and you're done <laughs> for the day. So we're talking about that poise and, you know, not listen to the noise and all that hoopla. But and we play it, you know, we're pushing everybody, Colton. And, and I'm playing a. Uh, uh, what the hell is it? Uh, Cotton Eyed uh, Joe at the yeah. damn practice. We were trying to get him ready for everything. Because I'll never forget that when I had Jared Allen up there warming up. Oh, on, man. We're warming up on the field. Cotton Eyed Joe comes on, and Montana walks a bunch of alumni who'd had a few pops. They were happy. <laughs> In between, I couldn't believe they were on our field, and they said something to Jared, and Jared goes after him, and it's Cotton Eye Joe, and it, what a... <laughs> it's always something at that place. <laughs> I was in the tunnel with Monty on that deal when he started that damn motorcycle and they wouldn't let us out. I mean, we've had some fun up there. So. It's always an interesting time at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Bruce Barnum, Portland State head coach, joining us here on Nuanas. Now, two more things for you, Coach. First of all, you got a, a son now playing at the University of Montana. That is a fascinating fold. It's actually crazy because there's been several coaches in the league with college-age sons who also happen to be really good football players with the ability to play. Uh, Jeff Choate didn't get to see his son get, make it to the end there, but George Choate's still playing at Montana State. Obviously, Robbie Houck at Montana is an All-American, and now your son, Cooper, is in the big sky, but he's not playing for you. He's playing for the Grizzlies. Uh, 
Oh, is this like radio silence the week of the game, or how does this work in the Barnum household? You know, first, the, well, the first thing that happened is after the decision was made, I, I started taking down the birdhouses and little flags uh, that my wife's putting in the yard, the Grizz stuff. I said, Sean, <laughs> I said, come on. And the neighbors know I'm the head coach of Portland State. But it was an interesting summer. I'm proud of him. Colts, he made a mature decision. I mean, he was treated like a ghost at Washington State. He had, you know, he's a pitcher. Um, he set his goals and he went for it and it didn't work out. He worked his ass off though. I was proud to see that. But he called us in. He had some offers this summer. Um, we thought we weren't sure where he was going, but it's time to move. So he calls mom and I in. Um, I thought he was going to school in Michigan. Wife thought he was going to school in Georgia. Or, uh, anyway, he says, I'm done with baseball. And my, you know, all right, I'm watching him. And uh, my Sean is like, what? But he's like, hey, I gave it a shot. I did everything I could. I wanted to get drafted. It's not going to happen. Whether they're right or wrong in Washington State, I wasn't the guy. They judged me not to be the guy anyway. So then I said, all right, what are you doing? Well, I wanted you to know I'm going to be a Grizz. I'm going to play football at Montana. <laughs> I said, all right, you little punk. But he said, Dad, stop. He goes, and he's right. He said, you told Brody and I, if we ever play college football to have the best college football experience, we're going somewhere else. Um, you know, because he probably thinks he'd never play for me because <laughs> I'd, you know, ride him and he'd have to be perfect. But he was right. That's what I, we told our kids. And so we started talking. I texted Bobby first to see if it was even an opportunity to walk on at Montana. He said he could get him a spot. Um, but I, I talked about the defense. I said, listen, here's where you're at there. You've been out of it for two years, number one. But you're looking at next year. I said, there's going to be 11 spots open on that defense. He's playing boundary safety for him. But he said, Dad, they think I'm crazy. He said, I'm having the time of my life. The coolest thing I heard, Coulter, is a while back he texted. Or I called. He called. We talked, whatever. And he said, Dad, I should have made this decision a year earlier. That's my only regret. He said, I'm having the time of my life. These people think I'm nuts. I said, what are you talking about? He said, so it's 100 degrees. We're running. And I'm smiling. <laughs> he said, I'm, he goes, he said, get your asses on the line. He said, you have no idea how fun this is, how lucky we are. So that was cool. To have your- there you go. Bruce Barnum, head coach of the Portland State Vikings. Joining us here on Nuanas Now, it's Across the Sidelines. It's presented by Vance Thompson Vision. Visit VanceThompsonVision.com to see how they can help you see across the sidelines all season long. Let's learn about some sports injuries. Oftentimes we uh, become numb to them or don't understand them, but we got a guy that understands them like nobody else. Dr. Michael Wright from Azula Bone and Joint will join us next. It's the Sports Medicine Journal. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. 
mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. ESPN Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. You still want a sandwich? Still want a six-pack? We got one for you. A six-pack of beer, sandwich from Warren's Market. Call us right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. Call number three. We got a six-pack of beer of your choice and a sandwich of your choice, courtesy of Warren's Market, located at the corner of Spruce and Higgins, Warren's Market, Missoula's oldest grocery store. Look at us. We're in a rhythm. We're back at it, <laughs> learning all about the medicine side of the sports world. is now here. We like to bring you multi-layers. It's not just about the scores and, you know, the sports bets and all that. We like to talk about the business of sports. We do that every other Tuesday with Justin Angle, University of Montana business professor. We also like to talk about the medical side of sports because so often in the sporting news world, we hear... This guy's out with this. This guy's dealing with this. This guy's questionable with this injury. What does it all mean? What does it actually mean? Today, we're going to talk about meniscuses because that's a fairly common injury uh, in the wide world of sports, something that uh, we hear quite a bit. But actually, what is your meniscus? What does it mean to your knee? And uh, why is it that so often we are talking about the health of uh, said meniscus Dr. Michael Wright from Missoula Bone & Joint joins us here on this month's Sports Medicine Journal. And, Doc, thanks for being with us. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. First and foremost, just tell people, what is the meniscus? I mean, what is this in your knee? What, what function does it have in the body? Well, the meniscus is a really important part of the, the normal anatomy in the human knee. And there's, there's two of them inside of every knee. We call one the medial meniscus and one the lateral meniscus. And what that means is there's one that's located on the inside of your knee, and then there's one that's located on the outside of your knee. And they're a piece of cartilage that is designed to sit in the knee to function as a shock absorber. So they, they help to distribute the load that comes down through your femur, uh, into the knee joint to help to distribute that load so there's some cushion in there and there's some shock absorption function uh, inside of the knee. And so because the human knee has so much bending and twisting that occurs during athletics or even everyday walking, this meniscus is quite susceptible to having an injury to it. And I, if you look nationwide at surgeries that orthopedic surgeons perform, you know, meniscus surgery uh, with a knee arthroscopy is is right at the very, very top of the list, which tells you exactly how common uh, this injury is. So we really see these meniscus injuries in uh, people of all ages. I mean, literally the entire age spectrum, uh, you can tear your meniscus or damage the meniscus. And it really does have a poor ability to heal, which is another reason that surgical uh, intervention is so commonly warranted uh, with the meniscus. But to go back to your original question, it's a shock absorber. It's inside the knee. There's two of them. Uh, they're very susceptible uh, to injury, particularly with twisting uh, type injuries or when the knee is in a slightly bent position. 
uh, the meniscus tends to get pinched. And if there's just the wrong load going through at that location, then often the meniscus will tear and, and cause problems for people. We see this, uh, I, I think we see a variety of types of, of knee uh, meniscus injuries, that is. And I don't know if, it, if it's just my perception that some are different than others. Is there like a, sometimes we hear about meniscuses with basketball players a lot. And I think that that makes sense because of like the padding that the meniscus provides for jumping up and down off of a hard court. But then we also see meniscuses when it comes to football. And a lot of times that's from impact injuries or, you know, weird angles, weird twists. Is there, I guess, are all meniscus injuries created equal? No, I mean, far far from it. Uh, there is uh, all sorts of different tat- patterns of tearing uh, that we see as we treat meniscuses. And this goes all the way from someone who may just have a very, very slight frayed uh, meniscus. When we get in there surgically, it literally looks like frayed uh, string or the end of a rope, all the way up to people that have something called a bucket handle meniscus tear, which is where a very, very large segment of the meniscus uh, flips completely out of place. And so that's kind of the spectrum from the least, uh, uh, the least uh, intense meniscus injuries to up, up to the worst uh, type of meniscus injuries. You know, the, really what dictates how bad a meniscus tear is, is how big is the unstable piece of meniscus. And so when it's frayed, you know, maybe just those small little frayed components can flip out of place and they don't cause people uh, very many symptoms at all. In fact, we uh, rarely need to do surgery for something like that. But as that piece of meniscus gets bigger and bigger, you know, we see tear patterns, something called a parrot beak tear or a radial tear of the meniscus or a horizontal cleavage tear. Those are all ways that we describe uh, the directionality of the tear. Usually we know this based on the MRI uh, going into uh, a surgery, but sometimes you're surprised when you see sometimes on an MRI, the tear pattern uh, looks much different than we, when you go in surgically and you can really assess how big that flap of unstable meniscus tissue is. And that does tend to correlate with how severe uh, people's symptoms are. And we didn't really talk about symptoms uh, much yet, but these generally can range anything from mild pain, usually on the inside of the knee or the outside of the knee, all the way up to a severe tear, which could be a knee that's completely locked up, which means it has the inability to straighten and bend. Uh, But the classic meniscus symptoms are pain, uh, episodic swelling, occasionally a click or a catch, usually, again, localized to the inside of the knee or the outside of the knee. Sports Medicine Journal, presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. Dr. Michael Wright, a surgeon there at Missoula Bone and Joint, joining us as he does each month to diagnose various injuries. We're talking all things meniscus. There's been meniscus uh, in the news in a variety of different sports recently. And, uh, Doc, one thing that you, you hear, particularly with NBA players, is a guy might have a meniscus injury, and then he has basically a choice. There's a couple different types of procedures he might be able to have. I think kind of the, the jargon is one of them is called like a scoop. Uh, but I think that there's one procedure that I've always been able to follow where a guy can come back earlier but maybe have more long-term consequences. Or there's a second procedure where it might take longer immediately to come back but isn't as detrimental long-term. Can you, can you hash that out for us? Well, what is the difference and what are some of the, the short and long-term side effects of different meniscus p- procedures? Yeah, you bet. There's really two ways that you can go with a a meniscus tear. You can attempt to repair it, which would require sewing it back together. 
And uh, this is the best case scenario for your knee. You know, if it can be repaired and if it heals appropriately, then, you know, theoretically you will have a normal knee again. Uh, the second way that you go with meniscus tears is you can just trim out the unstable flap. And usually when you hear about something, some, someone coming back uh, in season from a knee surgery, it usually means they just had the, the meniscus trimmed. Uh, and the recovery from a meniscus trimming can be quite, uh, quite quick. Um, you know, I've seen NBA players come back as early as three or four weeks after the surgery if they just had a piece of that meniscus trimmed because once it's trimmed, uh, the unstable uh, piece of tissue is physically removed. And so you're not really waiting for the meniscus to heal because the damaged portion has been uh, taken out of the knee. So it's really a matter of just getting the range of motion back, getting the strength back before we clear athletes to uh, return to competition on it. If you do a meniscus repair, again, that would be the best case scenario for the knee. You're waiting for the meniscus to heal back together with it, with itself. Surgically, you can just, what you do is you actually sew the meniscus back together with these small anchors and suture material. But then it's a waiting game for the meniscus to actually heal. And it's a frustrating surgery at times for athletes because it is it can be quite lengthy waiting for that meniscus to heal. And in fact, some cases it never heals. And when you get into that situation, sometimes you have to go back in and then do the trim it out surgery. Um, but it is always prefer preferable uh, to repair a meniscus. You know, when I go into these surgeries, I always go in thinking or planning that I'm going to try to repair it. But the, the fact of the matter is many meniscus tears are not a repairable tear pattern or they're in a zone of the meniscus that is uh, completely lacking blood supply. And therefore, even if you stitch it back together, it will fail to heal. And so that's kind of a judgment call on the surgeon's part. Um, you know, in general, we, we want to do what's best for the patient and what's best for, for their overall health. So we do try to repair as many as possible. But uh, the fact of the matter is some are just not repairable in your only option is to trim out the meniscus. When you have guys, Dr. Michael Wright joining us here, by the way, on Nuanas Now, Sports Medicine Journal, presented by uh, Missoula Bone and Joint. Like, you think of guys like, trying to think of a good example, like John Wall, who's been a point guard in the NBA for a while out of Kentucky, uh, played for the Washington Wizards for a while, and now the Houston Rockets. And he was dynamite when he was healthy, but he's had these multiple knee procedures, many of them centering upon his meniscus. And so not necessarily him specifically, but... If this is a reoccurring issue in which then you get to the point where you have some some bone on bone because there just isn't as much of that padding left, I mean, how detrimental can that be? Is there a way to to avoid that? Yeah, that's a, a bad situation. If you've had you know so many knee surgeries that you no longer have meniscus left, and that is something that we're unfortunately faced with from time to time. It's even more detrimental when you think of someone that's a professional athlete that's asked asking their body to do, you know, almost superhuman uh, demands on a damaged knee. Um, but there are different options that you can do once the whole meniscus has been, has been taken out. Um, one is you can just do nothing and treat it symptomatically, which would involve physical therapy, anti-inflammatories, possibly a steroid injection. Uh, there is cadaver transplants that you can do for complete meniscus deficiency where you take a cadaver meniscus uh, and put it back into the human's, human knee. Um, those uh, kind of fell out of favor. They used to be more popular about 10 years ago. They've kind of fallen out of favor due to multiple studies showing continued pain uh, and continued uh, impaired function. So it's not the best operation in the world, but it is possible. And then there are new exciting trials going on in the field of 
orthopedic sports medicine. And this is something I think I'll certainly see in my career as the, uh, the advent and the introduction of biologics come into play. And, and what that means is there's a lot of research going along uh, looking at stem cells, uh, PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, other injectables that hopefully will, will allow the human knee to heal better. Um, there are some trials on some synthetic meniscuses that they're, they're trying, like silicone-type implants that you could place in there, which in theory sounds like a simple uh, design, but in practice has been very, very challenging uh, to get it to, uh, to work and to take. Um, so those are kind of all the things that are that are being tried for that problem. But that is a very difficult problem once the whole meniscus uh, has been taken out. A lot of times that, that person is never able to return to sport. Um, and then eventually, you know, if their knee becomes severely arthritic, they'd need a, a knee replacement down the road. So it's definitely a challenging uh, situation to find yourself in. Talking all things meniscuses here with Dr. Michael Wright. Orthopedic surgeon, Missoula Bone and Joint. This is our Sports Medicine Journal where we give you an update and uh, some analysis on what it all means. And, uh, Doc, last thing for you on this note. Um, again, you know, I always lead you with examples, but you don't have to talk about the, the person specifically because you're obviously not diagnosing these people. You're not doing surgery on these people. But one of the big injuries in the NFL recently is Zach Wilson. And they didn't actually target it as a specific meniscus, but it looked like he had a pretty bad knee twist. They went in, did an MRI, said it wasn't torn, uh, but they said that it's going to have to come back uh, to full health. So, I mean, what does that take? I mean, when you have a a significant knee a collision that then results in, in a serious twist or or uh, some sort of weird bend, hyperextension, but there isn't torn ligaments, uh, what's that process like? And uh, when when the Jets are pounding on the podium saying we're not bringing this kid back until he's a hundred percent, what does it take to actually get a hundred percent when you do have uh, a serious but non you know full tear knee injury? Well, the, I mean the soonest the soonest I've seen people be able to get back after uh, an injury like that is about three or four weeks. It's pretty tough to come back sooner to, sooner than that. Because the human brain, if it knows that knee isn't healed, it's not going to adequately be able to protect itself, meaning those muscles aren't going to be able to fire. They're still going to be weak. They're still going to be swelling. And so you really don't want to push someone back too soon or you're just predisposing them to a secondary, potentially worse uh, injury. But in terms of the surgery itself, you know, what you described could be something as a small meniscus tear, a small flap tear. If it was due to a direct impact, it could also be due to um, a piece of cartilage breaking off inside the knee. So there's multiple different types of cartilage. Some of the cartilage is on the ends of the bone. That's a very smooth, durable cartilage. And sometimes a piece of um, cartilage can break off. We see that a lot with uh, kneecap dislocations, uh, which, again, is very common in, in football athletes. Sometimes they'll break off a little piece of cartilage, and then it's really not good to have a floater inside the knee. And so usually taking that out surgically is, is recommended but those are just two examples of two of uh, uh, more minor knee surgeries um, that that an athlete can have that usually they'll be able to come back anywhere between three to six weeks uh, from something like that well so interesting we love having you every month here on nuanas now the sports medicine journal presented by missoula bone and joint dr michael wright orthopedic surgeon there at bone and joint joins us and uh Learned a lot about meniscuses this time around. And, Doc, we'll have uh, some follow-ups with you throughout the rest of the fall and into the winter. But thanks so much for taking some time with us, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Very interesting. And uh, I'm sure more common among our listeners than uh, maybe a lot of people might think. 
Thanks to Ms. Lillbone and Joint. Thanks to Dr. Wright for joining us. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll take you through it. Also, maybe talk a little bit about tonight's game as well. Keep it right here. New on us now. ESPN Radio. We're feeling very vibrant and poppy around here today. What's up, everybody? I didn't have time to make a playlist today, so Andrew on the DJ table and uh, making me happy despite the drizzle outside. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a great week. It's crazy how fast the weeks fly by during football season. Part of that's though, I get to hang out with you every single uh, weekday between 4 and 6 here on Nuanas Now. So thanks so much for tuning in like you always do, no matter how you tune in. Missed anything in today's show? You can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast. Heard from Aaron Best, head coach of Eastern Washington. Bruce Barnum, the head coach of Portland State. Joe Terry, who covers uh, Portland State uh, for a uh, the Big Sky uh, Valhalla newsletter. We also uh, heard from Tyson Boder who is the quarterback for Hamilton High School. Talked about the Grizz, specifically some of the thoughts from Bobby Houck about his team and about the upcoming matchup. And we heard from Dr. Michael Wright of the Sports Medicine Journal, uh, I guess of Missoula Bone & Joint, for our Sports Medicine Journal. You can find all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by the M Store, the Montana State Bookstore, and the Advocates. Tomorrow, we'll talk some high school football like we always do. Uh, Dane Oliver and Mike Matz of Missoula Sentinel uh, will join us. Also, uh, I believe Andrew's efforting Missoula Hellgate head coach Ryan Nelson and Missoula Big Sky head coach Matt Johnson. So we will have our uh, Garden City Spotlight lineup for you. We'll also hear from Carolyn, the chicken doesn't know sports. And we're also efforting our great friend Ryan Tutel, who is uh, going to be back in the saddle for sure on Saturday, and hopefully he'll be able to join us tomorrow as well. Uh Ryan is back in the state. He's living up in Polson. Uh, but he'll be helping me steer the ship on Saturday. Uh, we have, we'll have our ESPN College game day live from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot between 11.30 and 1 on Saturday, 2 p.m. kick for Portland State against Montana. And uh, Ryan will help us with our college game day uh, festivities. So if you uh, are in the area and need something to do, Come on down. We'll be hanging out there uh, all morning. The Badlander will be serving drinks. We'll have Domino's Pizza, Pepsi Cola. Uh, we have all sorts of other great sponsors down there. We'll be broadcasting off the back of our sweet toy hauler, courtesy of RV Truck Sales. So um, if you'd like, come hang out. I feel like everybody in the country is taking the same angle uh, on a couple different stories. One, instead of talking about Aaron Judge hitting bombs, everybody's talking about why people aren't talking about Aaron Judge hitting bombs, which is ironic because then all of a sudden everybody's talking about why people aren't talking about it, so then everybody's talking about it. It's kind of like the old uh, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo. Is this guy talked about as being underrated so much that he's now no longer underrated because he's, in fact, overrated for being talked about all the time as being underrated? (laughs) It's the same thing. With this baseball conversation. Everybody's talking about how nobody's talking about it. So now everybody's talking about it. It's, uh, it's interesting. But Aaron Judge continues his uh, assault on what many believe is the, the quote-unquote real record 
Uh, he certainly has won the home run title. He's got 60 home runs, and Kyle Schwarber of the Philadelphia Phillies is second with 40, so he's got 20 more bombs than anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball. He also leads the league with 100, or leads the American League and leads Major League Baseball with 128 RBI. Uh, Judge has uh, hit the ball well all year long, not just over the fence, and uh, it's been an impressive uh, season for uh, him and for the Yankees. They, they've cooled off from what was a uh, historically torrid pace, but they're still uh, on a torrid pace to be sure. Um, but Judge is hitting 317, so it's not as if he's just sitting up there swinging for the fences, although when he hit 60 bombs, you're definitely <laughs> swinging for the fences. Uh, but he he's a guy that I think that uh, should be, and this is an argument I always make, but he should be a bigger star. I mean, he, he's got, you know, a Paul Bunyan-esque build at six foot seven, 285 pounds. Uh, he's, this is his second historically good season. I mean, he, he hit in his first full season in 2017, he hit 52 home runs. And that's the thing that I think that we, we need a readjustment for is because Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa made such a mockery of the, I think there, there had been, there, there hadn't been, excuse me, a 60 plus home run season in almost 40 years, when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa each broke Roger Maris's uh, hallowed record in uh, the summer of 1998. And then I, I think that those two guys each hit 60 home runs at least three more times, maybe four more times. And then Barry Bonds did it with his 73 home run season as well. So there, w- there was, uh, what, I think three 60 home run seasons ever until then. And then all of a sudden there, there was you know, double digits worth courtesy of three guys. I think there had been maybe 10 or 12, 50 home run seasons ever until then. And, you know, I mean, that 98 year, it wasn't even just Sosa and McGuire. I mean, Greg Vaughn, Greg Vaughn who? Yeah, Greg Vaughn is is as well remembered for playing for the Helena Brewers as he is for the Milwaukee Brewers. And he hit 50 bombs in a season. So it sort of broke our brains. So then when you really think back that this, I mean, Aaron Judge now has two 50 home run seasons with his 52 home runs in 2017 and his 60 bombs this year. I think we need to be talking more about the context of that historically. We're talking about it, so that's not going to be our deal. We're not going to sit here and, uh, you know, talk about not talking about it, but uh, the historic context of it, we just need a readjustment within our minds of, of what uh, – what each individual number means. Thursday Night Football tonight, a historic and old-school rivalry. Pittsburgh at Cleveland, a huge game for both teams. Both teams coming off of bad losses. Uh, So we'll see what happens and what plays out tonight. The other thing that uh, everybody's talking about on Talk Radio, which I find just hilarious, is the Buffalo Bills have looked great their first two weeks of the season. They drilled the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams in the first game of the year, and they annihilated the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. Okay, but everybody's talking about how they're going to go undefeated. Get out of here. The Bills are great. I got money on the Bills to win the AFC. I got money on the Bills to win the Super Bowl. They're really, really good. There's, they're not going undefeated. I, I wish I could find a bet. I, if you found me a bet that no NFL team is going to go undefeated in the next 15 years, I would, I would put so much money on it. Someone's just going to throw the kitchen sink at them or they're going to just find a... Uh, a vulnerability and exploit or a mismatch or there'll just be a bad day. 
I don't know. We're going to talk tons of NFL tomorrow. We'll also talk some high school football and Carolyn. The Chicken Does No Sports swings by. We'll see you then, 4 p.m. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.